Live from Mexico City, this is The Morning Break with Graham Stanley and you are listening live. Happy New Year, everybody, and I hope everything has got off to a good start for you all. I will be talking to Scott Lockman today. Scott is a very good friend who I've just reconnected with, and he describes himself as an ESL roustabout. Come and join us uh, for a rambling conversation. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or join in the conversation by downloading the Podbean app and following Teachers Talk Radio. Hashtag TT Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Teachers Talk Radio. And I'm very happy to have as my special guest for the first show of 2023, Scott Lockman. Now, I said it was a ramble, rambling conversation because I have recently reconnected with Scott over Twitter and LinkedIn, and uh, Scott is someone who I have had a lot of contact with, and we've collaborated a lot in the past, back in the days of early internet, in particular the days of the early audio internet, so podcasting and radio, etc. So he was the first person who joined me on a radio show that I used to do back in the day some years ago, and uh, we uh, reminisced about that, etc. So I normally structure my shows. I normally write show notes and have questions for the guests, etc., to keep us on track. But this time I just decided to just meet up with Scott and uh, for us to talk and so the resulting conversation uh, flows a little bit from one subject to another, but I hope you find it interesting. I'll be talking to Scott after the break. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News. With the majority of pupils returning to schools this week, the new year has brought new announcements and new challenges for many in the education sector. Government advice about illness and staying away from education settings if you're sick was shared and the issue of strikes remains a hot topic. Pressures on school leaders continue with The Guardian reporting that many head teachers are broken, at risk of heart attacks and exhausted as a result of the erosion of services for children and families meaning the burden of support is falling on the shoulders of schools too often. So as the new year begins on a duller note than any of us might like, here are the top stories that have caught the eye of Teachers Talk Radio News this week. In Manchester, the Morning Star reports that students at one of the city's universities have launched a rent strike. Students at the University of Manchester are using the strike to press their demands for an end to what they describe as extortionate rents and their requests for a 30% cash rebate. Organisers say that more than 30 students per day are joining the protest, spurred by the combined effects of the cost of living crisis and poor quality accommodation provided at too high a cost. According to the National Union of Students, half of England's students are facing financial difficulty with three quarters of these saying they expect this to have an impact on their studies. A previous rent strike in Manchester in 2021 was successful and students hope to replicate this outcome in this new wave of action. FE Week reports on Ofqual's decision to disband its committee of experts who advise on exam standards in favour of a more flexible approach on policy advice. The Standards Advisory Group has been active for more than a decade, and was set up to help the exam watchdog maintain standards. Ofqual confirmed that the committee will be replaced to reflect a broader remit, such as expansions in vocational and technical qualifications and apprenticeships. Ofqual has faced criticism at no upheaval over decisions and communication during the pandemic. Deputy Chief Regulator Michael Hanton described the change as positive, 
and will secure quality and fairness for all those who take and use qualifications. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, who recently announced his ambition to have all young people study maths to the age of 18, has faced a barrage of criticism about his plan. The I newspaper reports that Robin Walker, chair of the Commons Education Select Committee, feels that the PM should be focusing more on the early years sector to boost education levels instead. He calls the maths plan highly challenging, citing the nationwide shortage of subject specialists as the biggest barrier. Mr Walker, Conservative MP for Worcester and a former Education Minister, highlighted issues around recruitment and retention as people with maths qualifications are quite employable elsewhere. So it is a highly competitive market when it comes to drawing people into teaching. He added that focus on the early years sector would be the most effective way of supporting children, describing it as embarrassing that England's childcare system is rated so poorly when compared to other countries. The AI also carries news of the decision by Catherine Burblesing to step down from her role as social mobility czar. Ms Burblesing, once dubbed Britain's strictest head teacher, has made the surprise announcement because she believes she comes with too much baggage, going on to say that her propensity to voice opinions that are considered controversial puts the commission in jeopardy. Ms Burblesing wrote of her decision in a column in Schools Week. A controversial figure for many, but with an equally vociferous fan base, Ms Burblesing also commented that she felt the role of social mobility czar meant that she was becoming a politician, but that this was not a skill set she wished to develop. Finally, ITV News reports on how parts of a Turkish Airlines plane have been delivered to a school in Alverston, South Gloucestershire, to be turned into a new library. The project, named Flying High by Pupils, will see parts of the plane turned into a new outdoor reading area. Full details can be found on the ITV website, with artist impressions of the final project showing children and adults enjoying new space. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello! Did you know I've been doing this show for a year now? Well, if you didn't, now you do. So shower me in gifts and love. I'm kidding. But there is one person or group of people I want you to think about as this term draws to a close. Your tech support. They may, in your mind, be the people that say no to a lot of stuff. They may stop pupils playing games and stop a lot of the web getting into your classroom. But they keep you, your data and your network safe. This week, as some of us are off, and others are desperate to be, roll on Wednesday, spare a thought for your techie. They'll be coming in over the break to patch and update. They'll be taking those broken machines and making them work again. These people, who in most schools are like ghosts, if Charles Dickens had had the privilege of tech support, they'd have been the spirits of modern-day make-do-and-mend. They wouldn't be draped in chains and padlocks, but come bearing an endless acceptable-use policy. As you wind down, or if you have already, A thank you to your tech support will make your new year that little bit easier. Remember, next time you use tech in your lessons, everything is working because of them. As always, I'd love to hear what you want to know about tech. Let us know at TTR 2022. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Have a lovely break. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. My special guest today is Scott Lockman, who I haven't been in touch with for quite a long while, but we used to do a radio show together back in the day, an internet radio show. Uh, That was my first experience of internet radio, but Scott, I know it it wasn't your first experience of radio because you're you're an old hand at this. Is that right? Hello, Graham. Thanks for the introduction. I'm sorry for chuckling. I might laugh a bit through the proceedings just because this is all this is all so improbable. It's unbelievable. Um, Of course, I'm looking at you through the Zoom screen word picture for anybody listening. But I just can't believe that we can do this right now. You're recording it. You're going to put it on something called Teacher Talk Radio. I've been out of the game for a while, and you and I have agreed to do this. I don't quite know what the finished product is going to be, but I'm totally trusting you in the endeavor. And let me just say hello to the listeners, and uh, let's do it. <laughs> I'm really excited. Fantastic. Well, I it, I think it's probably a 
good idea to uh, to start with the present, and then we can go back and talk about our some of the things we did together or that you did in the past, um, and then perhaps wind up by finishing talking about what the future holds for education, for teaching, and for us personally or whatever. So present day, Scott Lockman, what are you up to these days, sir? Digital storytelling. That is my wow. default hashtag. Uh, I'm not actively doing it. I'm, I'm actively looking for work. I've been unemployed for a okay. good six months. I returned to the United States in 2019 after mm -hmm. seven years in Saudi Arabia teaching English. And prior to that, I was in Japan for 14 years. So yeah, talking about the present, I always can't help myself but connect it to the past. And my time here in the States, I've been doing some volunteer social work. I've become involved in the local Parkinson's disease organization because of a family um, involvement in Parkinson's disease. I became a caregiver for a while. I've done some work, uh, it's called job coaching, Graham. And this is working with uh, the adult community with intellectual and developmental disabilities. They are all on services through right. either the state, the county, federal social security. And people with this, call it a condition for lack of a better word, I apologize if that's not the right word. Mm -hmm. But if, if they do express a desire to work, then our system here in the United States will provide they hire people such as myself to go and assist them in the workplace, to be an interface, to communicate with coworkers or management, to help with the paperwork, and sometimes, especially people on the uh, the autism spectrum, just to help them relate. I'm giving a hand gesture, which I know doesn't help on the radio, but it's just sort of the calming hands going flat, helping people get grounded. Funny thing, if I may, just continue for just half a second, that I discovered, and especially getting to know uh, young men and women who have been dealing with autism all their, their lives and listening to their stories and their symptoms, bits of it remind me of myself. I've had difficulties coping or understanding or interacting with other people. So it's been a very um, eye-opening experience and ultimately it has proved to be not sustainable for me for, for various reasons we don't need to dig into. Now, up to the present, I've been telling myself that I'm done teaching English. I, I had a good run at it. I had a good run with playing with technology and all of that stuff, but I guess I had lost the fire in the belly. I had lost the sense of excitement and just frankly didn't have a vision to get myself into a job. That's changed just through personal transformation. I'm actively seeking work. I've gotten back onto LinkedIn and that's how I discovered Teacher Talk Radio and you. I sent you a, a message yeah. offering voice services and uh, here we are. Uh, one more thing uh, for those who do are have noticed me on LinkedIn. I've just announced that I got a job. Got a job doing this uh, online tutoring one-on-one. -on -one. Totally new to me, but not really. It's much like what we used to do back in Skype with the English Conversation Club back in 2006 or 2007. But it's a one-on-one -on -one connection with a student who is eager to learn English. There's a whole story there, and it's new, new for me. And I imagine some of your listeners are doing that exact work. And I hope to uh, perhaps get connected to people who can help me understand it better and perhaps practice it in a more um, suitable way. That's Fantastic. That. Yeah. So that, that online tutoring, is that something you've just started? Is it, is it very new? I started yeah. last week through one right. of these companies and this first week I've already met 10 students. Three of them have chosen to book and continue with me. And uh, that's great. It's, just, it's, it's incredible. It really is. So that because I had a when you mentioned it, I had a look at it and um, it looked like there were lots of teachers on there. And I always wondered about um, online tutoring getting started, really, because, um, you know, what makes a student choose one teacher over another? And mm -hmm. maybe I've always thought it, it maybe would be because the teacher has a lot of other students. So that would make it difficult for someone starting. But it doesn't sound like that's the case that you found students straight away, which is, is, is encouraging. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you had any involvement in this online tutoring? Any of your friends or colleagues doing it? Or am I the first person that you've met who's ventured into it? I have met people who have done it. Now, um, I've met people 
doing online tutoring for to help with college entrance exams in the States, to be honest. So in Mexico City, mm. there's a couple of people that I've met while I've been here in the last four years or so um, who have, that's what they've been doing. So there's a yes, lot of, yes. there's a lot of Americans actually who come to Mexico City or Mexico and they live here. And although they have a tourist visa, they, um, they work in the States while they're living in Mexico. That might be bending the rules a little bit for tax purposes. It is a little bit. It's it's this idea of digital nomads, and a lot of them work in education. So there are a lot mm-hmm. of online teaching. If you have an American bank account, I think mm-hmm. a U.S. bank account is is one of the things that is vital for a lot of these sites, and a lot of people do U.S. teaching teaching online tutoring. Um, back in the states, but actually live in the in Mexico. It's kind of problematic uh, because of ta- you know they're not paying tax in Mexico, so it's not great for Mexico. But um, it is a popular thing, and it's become a kind of hot topic in the press here. You know this idea of digital nomads, in particular, people from the states who kind of come over here and they can get um, quite an extended stay and they live a lot cheaper than they can in the States. And and that's what they do. A lot of them are teach, are teach online, basically. Graham, Graham, I'm sorry for jumping in a couple of things. Sure. Life life and life more and more becomes like a William Gibson novel, I find. At yeah. times. I don't know if you've ever read any of the science fiction, but things are just yeah. so... What, is, what our present reality is, what we're doing right now here with this conversation, could you have imagined it back <laughs> in your university days? Well, some of us did, and there, there were people writing about it. I would love in just a moment to return to the question you asked just a moment ago, sure. wanting to unpack or investigate what it, how, how a teacher breaks in and what this little industry is like. Yeah. But first, I, 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 I can't remember the name of the person. This was through LinkedIn. I think one of your colleagues in the British Council was announcing a position specifically for remote online tutoring. So yeah, it's it is exploding. It is a hot topic. There are all of yeah. these different ways to do it and different reasons for people coming to it. And just listening to you talk there a minute or two, I was thinking of two or three different either show ideas or article ideas or even a podcast sort of just personal experiences of getting into this world of online tutoring. And there are certainly a lot of stories here. Uh, for example, I, I met a filmmaker living in a war zone right now, and he's wow. no longer making feature films. Now he's making a documentary of the war in this particular zone. I thought being, you know, the old radio guy in the ham looking to get into something said, I, hey, you know, I could help out with narration if you need anybody to do voiceover work. And he said, well, actually, thank you, teacher Scott, but I've got that covered. My uh, voice actor's name is Leave Schreiber. <laughs> and I had never okay. heard of, I had heard of Leave Schreiber. I'm a bit out of the loop in terms of pop culture. So I Googled it afterwards. I thought, oh my goodness, who am I in the room with? You know, and this person knows people that are Hollywood and public broadcasting and all of that stuff. And it just happened just kind of on a whim. Why did this person choose me? Well, to tell you the truth, Graham, it's all about the profile. And I've got a little bit of experience with digital storytelling. There it is again, yeah. back from the, the class DS-106 that I hope we can get to talk about at some point back in 2012. Yeah. And just the idea of projecting one's identity into the web space. Certainly don't need to tell you about that. You've, you've been doing it longer and as effectively as you do for, for a good long while now. But it's setting up the profile. Of course, it's having a compelling image. Also, there's a video that the teacher can make, and it's important to make eye contact, to personalize it, to tell a little bit about yourself as a teacher, but not too much of yourself. You try to, look, it's branding and it's sales in a sense, and you're just trying to get the, the student to imagine what it would be like to be with you as the instructor and where you're going to go together. So for me, I came up with the metaphor of a journey, and I use that terminology, I think, both in the video and in the text. And it's all, you know, even... I'm kind of surprised looking back at the profile I came up with, just how it does seem to flow in a fairly effective manner. And that might be why I've had a bit of success in one week, whereas I think others 
hope and struggle for that first student and very well could take a long time. And I've seen some people that yeah. remain in that new teacher status and they still haven't picked up any punters. So there's a whole uh, art and science to it, I suppose. And that would be a fun topic to discuss, get seasoned, experienced online teachers as well as the new ones. By online here, I mean, of course, this direct tutoring through one of these yeah. um, gig economy type services. It's really a fascinating topic. And if anybody would know what's out there, it would be you. And it sounds to me like you're saying there is space for investigation and storytelling in this field. And some people would probably be interested in reading or listening to it. Oh yeah, definitely. It's it's a it's an interesting topic indeed. So returning to digital storytelling, I'd love to hear more about how you got involved in that, Scott, and and what form it took when you were doing it. Or I might need a second or two to think. Maybe while I do that, you can help me because I really like sure. listening to you more than I like listening to myself. So. <laughs> And let's think of the listeners, too, because we might have a few people listening. Do they even have a notion of digital storytelling when you hear those phrases? Is that like a common everyday word in our field? Do people have different senses? So help me get a sense of digital storytelling and what I'm going to try to spin out while I think it up. With uh, What comes to your mind with that term digital storytelling? Well, I remember some years ago now coming across the term and wondering what it meant and it was very it was used in a very narrow sense um i remember certainly when i first came across it about i'm now trying to remember exactly what it was used for. <laughs> it was a long time ago but basically it was very much about as i understood about real experiences that someone um was going through so it was about reality and um, someone's life or and talking about that now what I think it has come to mean is a is a much more wider thing so digital storytelling as in using digital be that video audio comics etc whatever uh, your idea of digital is to tell a story so I I would think now it probably encompasses that term encompasses a lot more than it did when it first emerged. So I'm kind of interested to know what what kind of digital storytelling you um, have been involved in, whether it's the first type that I said or the something a bit more broader. I I always appreciate the antecedents. The antecedents are really important. And I, I, I'm not familiar with that more precise and specific definition, but it does make sense that it would be almost either a documentary form or even a, a personal journaling, blogging type of form of getting one's story out through these digital means, one's own personal story, maybe even tied into um, narrative forms of therapy and, and just personal discovery, transformation. For me, uh, being the charlatan that I am, I'm going to take the broadest and the vaguest definition as my working one because I'm sort of using it as a hashtag every day on LinkedIn and Twitter. And what I like about it is that it invites the, the reader or the listener to form their own sense of what is it. Uh, for me, it's using these online digital tools um, to communicate anything, um, but it requires a certain level of fluency and skill with the particular tools in the medium. So there is image, there is audio, there is video, there's drawing, there's painting, made digital and shared. And then there's the whole distribution networks through social media, through a blog, however one wants to do it. And for me, it all really became real and tangible in a course that was taught out of the University of Mary Washington in Virginia in 2011, DS-106, as I mentioned before. And it was reading one of these blogs because I was following a lot of educational blogs through the 2000s. And there were a couple of people that I followed and cared about a great deal because of what they said and how they said it on their blogs. One was a guy named Brian Lamb in Canada. Another one, oh, yeah. Alan Levine, Cog Dog, the famous Cog Dog. Oh, yes, yes. These, these two guys were blogging about DS-106 radio, which was something that had just been created 
as an adjunct right. to this digital storytelling course. And they figured out that through using software, I can't remember the name of the particular tools, anybody could connect to the server and transmit broadcast live on the internet. And then people could listen in. And what made it um, so effective in live interactive communications was that Twitter was part of the equation and the Twitter hashtag DS106. So just as I got in, into podcasting in 2004 from reading a blog from Dave Weiner about, actually that was from a Doc, 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 remember Doc? He's a Linux writer. Doc. Mm. I can't remember his name. I remember Dave Weiner, but I don't remember Doc. Again, forgive me for drifting and you can cut me off anytime, That's but it's okay. just discovering a conversation. These guys are talking about doing live radio affiliated with this class, which I knew nothing about. But there was the name Jim Groom mentioned, and I remember him also from the education blogs because earlier this guy had come up with the term EDU punk or edge. That's punk. right. It was a whole punk rock do-it-yourself approach to educational technology. So mm. Brian Lamb in Canada, Cog Dog down in Arizona, Jim Groom in Virginia had been collaborating with another guy named Gardner Campbell, who was also big in the online humanities back in Virginia. Oh yeah. To try to rethink education using the tools as they were merging. And a lot of what they were informed by was early internet pioneers. And we don't need to go into that right now, but there is this yeah. whole lineage and pedigree, which blew up in my face in 2011 with these guys talking about radio, me reading it, realizing this is drop dead easy. I can do it. I was going to sort of <laughs> invade their space. And I showed up and I just started doing a radio show and it came across sounding tight and professional and a little bit snarky. And I was in <laughs> I, through the radio. I remember radio. this now. Okay. I remember now that you've mentioned it. I remember. Um, I remember listening to it, actually, and I remember you tweeting about it when you were going live with it, etc. So I do remember that. It was wild, Graham. And we 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 found a piece of software called Papaya on an that could be installed on an iPhone, so you could actually connect remotely. From right. your phones. So I'm doing shots from the Tokyo subways, pretending like I'm setting up something for Halloween, doing a, a version of War of the Worlds. <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> crazy stuff. But let's get back to the question of what is digital storytelling? Jim's yeah. Groom's class, as well as another person named Martha Burtis at UMW, had multiple sections of this class, and it was offered open and online. Mm -hmm. So anybody from the internet could join in just as a participant. And they had this bank of stories, and this, not stories, I'm sorry, assignments. And each of them were in specific skills. There were video skills, audio skills, image skills. And the brilliant thing about it was that the students actually developed the assignments. Right. The assignment instructions. And then anybody could do anybody else's assignment. So the idea of precise syllabus and specific grades sort of got thrown out the window. And what happened, Graham, was just there was this amazing buzz and energy that developed with the students in the classroom interacting with people online to just make artwork and put it on their blog and then comment on one another's work. It's the idea of having a problem to solve using these tools to communicate something, and that's all embedded in the assignment, figuring out how to do it through tutorials that other students have created creating the work and posting it, but the magic or one of the magic elements that made it work was documenting the entire process. So the blog post right. would include description of what they did and what they learned in the experience. And it winds up being a portfolio at the end of a course. And it's a whole lot of fun. And there's this whole crazy frenetic energy whenever Jim Groom is involved in anything. So we were making radio, doing these assignments. And I actually was able to pitch to my supervisor at Temple University in Japan that we can run a section of this course here in Tokyo and connect it to the University of Mary Washington. And I got permission to do it. We had perhaps my funnest semester teaching ever with a course wow. called Cyberspace and Society. Just a blast. That so, sounds very exciting. That's digital storytelling. <laughs> Wonderful. And yeah. and how long did you do that for? When, when it is sort of... Did, did it fizzle out or did you just decide to drop it? Is it still going on? Well, you asked the question, so I'll answer. I guess we need to let the listeners know that usually, Graham, you prepare show notes. You 
offered to do this yeah. with me. And you and your, your co-guest, co-host have discussed things and thought things through a bit beforehand. But somehow yeah. that got thrown out the window. Perhaps it's our old we, relationship and we'll return to I, that. I so, just thought I just, it would be it would be fun just not to structure it and just to to talk to you and catch up, basically. I love it. Just so they know, this is totally unprepared and unplanned. And <laughs> because for me, sometimes I get emotional in talking about this topic. Sure. I do, so let's not stay with it too long. But I, I wound up um, getting divorced in 2012, just at oh, the end dear. of the first class. And that's what led to my departure from Japan to go teaching in English and began sort of a 10-year journey just of wondering what happened and how. Uh, that's also digital storytelling, and yeah. I would like to maybe towards the end just mention slices of life. It's not about what I just mentioned, but about the six months up to that in this project that I did that was sure. really trans transformative. There's that word again, and people were paying attention to it and inspired by it in some way. But for me, it was so personal that I just put it in a vault and haven't touched that. I've got 46 episodes of teacherly reflections done every week for my last six months teaching in Japan. Wow. And uh, so it's kind but they're of... not they're not publicly available. They're they were not they were broadcast, but they were they're not on the internet at the moment. Is that right? Exactly, Graham. Right. Exactly. I, I like how you did that. All, all, everything's been taken offline, the whole Tokyo Pollen podcast, the whole thing, because this is the this is the other side of the coin, perhaps that yeah. perhaps people don't talk about or think about enough. But since we're here now, please allow me to continue, and you can sure. edit as you wish. But that one when one chooses to live this life as a digital nomad and putting their story online in the social media, there's always a cost. There's always a cost just in terms yeah. of what you put out. It's it's never an equal. Distribute people that know anymore. You need to them. And actually, I just encounter from meeting people at a conference who know your story and you don't know them from Adam. And for me, that was always unsettling. Now, I've made some lovely friends through people who are originally listeners and I've gotten to know them, some very dear friends. And that's the other side of it. Plus, the idea of being online is really cool. But for me to have done all of this very personal work because I'm just a stream of consciousness, narrate my life type of guy for better or worse. That yeah, that's why I took it all down. But now, in terms of what I want to do with digital storytelling in a few tracks, I think there's value in looking back at some of it in a in a thoughtful way, a reflective way. And uh, but there's the pitch. Right now, um, that's really interesting. I think. It's um, it's just just to, to touch upon for the benefit of of the listeners, if if you would talk a little bit about Tokyo Calling, and if you're happy to talk a little bit about that, because you were, that's how we got to know each other, because you were Japan's first podcaster, Scott. Graham, and let it let it were, let us. Let us never lose sight of the dear, sweet, cherished listeners. And listener, or listeners, whoever's out there, as I look at the microphone, I want to hear Graham talk. <laughs> and I know you do too, but you're well, doing a masterful job of leading I, this, Graham. And you know, I think, uh, I, think I, I, actually, I actually talked about you briefly in my very first episode. I remember, I think I did, hmm. because I talked about my experience of podcasting and what what I liked about it etc um when I, I I had a conversation with with another uh, a friend educator Joe Dale from the UK who's very much into podcasting um and he's um he it's one of the things that he does I've, I've learned a lot from him actually uh, over the years as well. Um, let's, let's let's. I'm going to jump in, Brad. Let's do it this way. Sure. I'm going to I'm going to give you a, a little bit of Tokyo calling because I never tire of talking about it. And okay. actually, I haven't said I'm Japan. I was Japan's first podcaster for a long time until just about a couple of weeks ago, and that's weird. But yeah. I would like I would like you to commit to talk a little bit about the work we did on Skype with English Definitely. Conversation Club 
and our world famous celebrity guest who oh, yeah. <laughs> and then also full disclosure talking about podcasting and, and our work together you and i did co-moderate one of these um evo sessions way That's back right. in the day on elt podcasting so we we both inspired one another and if you could talk about second life a bit because you went there before i did I followed you, and in a sense, I kind of got lost in Second Life, and I left a lot of digital artifacts there. I need to go back I, and claim them. But you did I a think lot there are still there are still people wandering around Second Life looking for digital artifacts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure okay. there are people that never that that got lost in Second Life, and they're probably still living there. <laughs> oh, I know. I've, I've had dreams about Second Life, but that's another story. <laughs> so I have that um, for a little roadmap for our remaining time, and how much time sure. do we have? Um, well, 20 minutes or so. Okay. For me, perhaps one of the very exciting moments in my life was listening to the BBC. It was one of their, um, I forget which show it was, but it was just one of their sort of news magazine shows. And something I created was played on it. It was a little MIDI tune that I hacked. It was originally the, the Vapors version of Tokyo Calling. And I did a little tweaking and modulation, and then I voiced over, this is Tokyo Calling in a very um, crass version of Japanese. And somehow that got picked up by the BBC in 2004, because they real this might have been early 2005, because they realized podcasting is a thing, we need to do a special news feature on it. And they just grabbed a little audio that they could, and for some reason, Tokyo Calling was in that first wave of podcasting that went into the apple itunes directory because apple was late to the game as well yeah and they created this opml file is that okay to say to your listeners oh yeah 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 (laughs) which this is dave weiner's thing this is his contribution to podcasting and dave weiner and the guy from mtv adam curry oh adam curry yes they were doing this the daily source code podcast and they had at the time claimed that they invented podcasting all of course we realized there was a little controversy there but this was October of 2004, and it was Doc Searles, S-C-A-R-L-S, okay. who was the blogger. He was the I remember blogger. Him. Yeah. He was talking about Dave and Adam doing this stuff. And again, it's just like DS-106 Radio. I read their conversations in their blogs, listened to a couple of episodes, and I realized even with my clunky Windows computer, I can do this thing. Just recording an audio file and editing it. And- and you you had though Scott you had an interest and experience of radio before that didn't you I mean before right, yeah. you started podcasting is you you actually yeah. did radio in Japan is that right no, I did radio in America and in Thailand okay but I've been dreaming of radio since I was a little kid because my great grandfather had worked in radio in the 20s and 30s and he had oh, amazing right. stories yeah he flew around in an airplane over New York City. Wow. He was the voice of the sky, and he actually had a transmitter in the back of the plane in a soundproof booth, and he played a ukulele, and he, his name was Ukulele Freddie Bell, and I saw a picture <laughs> of him as a kid in front of this airplane, and he told me the story, and I was just like a Ghibli film almost. I was just captured with the possibilities there, and just Incredible. had gone, gone into radio with that sort of dream. When I was in Saudi Arabia for six or seven isolated years, I found on the Internet Archive, old-time radio shows, and mm. I just listened for hours and hours, and I just sort of buried myself in the history and the tradition of American broadcast radio. So wow. it, it's remained in my blood throughout, and podcasting was just that I, I dabbled with blogging as well because of the idea, the empowering idea of anybody now can be a printing press or anybody now yeah. can be a radio magazine, radio station live even. So I just started talking about my life in Japan as a teacher and a father of a growing family eventually had three children. One was born as I was podcasting, not at the very moment, but during my podcasting yeah. career. And uh, yeah, I wound up doing on an irregular schedule, just narrating my daily life in Japan, sometimes talking from the subway, sometimes after a class I would reflect, sometimes in the house with the kids, just with the life going on. And uh, it was a very fun time in my life. It got some notice, had you know hundreds of listeners, would get comments all of the time, even had somebody offer to pay for advertising for a little while. And I made an wow. image to go along with the audio. 
And uh, I think I wound up doing 100 plus episodes over four or five years. And eventually, again, that idea of being too overexposed and perhaps in this case, a little too obsessive with this hobby that wasn't really getting me anywhere professionally and personally right. stepped away from it, stepped back in later with different projects over the years. But in Tokyo Calling was a fun time for me and it felt as though I was part of something new and emerging which was the case. And in addition to appearing on the BBC ever so briefly, also got written up in one of those yellow books, Podcasting for Dummies, which came out. <laughs> just Wonderful. As a, just as a footnote somewhere, but heck, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was an exciting time. I mean, I remember, you know, I came to podcasting through blogging and mm -hmm. I was obsessed with blogging. I was blogging with teach for teachers. I was blogging with students, etc. And then when the idea of doing what was called originally uh, audio blogging, I thought, wow, that's amazing. And, um, and that's, that I guess, led me to look in look at anyone in education who was doing it. And that's mm -hmm. how I came across you, I think. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, actually, that little point you said there, sort of redirected my focus. I'm now remembering that back then I had to set up a WordPress blog and yeah. get some add-on bit of software that someone had created. And then months yeah. later, a person developed the whole package. It was like a, a WordPress theme, not WordPress, movable type theme yeah. that embedded a player. And I was off to the races. I said, okay, I can do a teacher's podcast. And this one I borrowing from Crash and decided comprehensible input might be an, an intriguing title. And that That's might actually right. that actually might have been what you found. I did a couple of dozen episodes just yes, in, that intentionally, rings a bell. intentionally a reflective teacher podcast about an English teacher yeah. in Japan, new to podcasting, and this would have been 2005. Right. I'm I'm a Google that one in donkey's years. I don't know. If <laughs> yes i think that that's probably it scott i think um i did like a one episode podcast for teachers just and put it on my blog mm -hmm. i'm sure it i'm sure it doesn't exist anymore i don't know where it ended up but but i remember <laughs> asking for audio submissions so i asked from for people for teachers that i knew through uh blogging to send in little um submissions and i edited it all together i think in probably in okay. audacity then sure. um and uh and put it out just it was just fascinating and then then i moved on to um doing various podcasts with students and stuff and then i'm i'm my memory is very hazy um and so that i remember i won a grant as a teacher in Barcelona, I won a grant to do an internet radio show, which led okay. to the um, led to the uh, World Conversation Club thing, and that's where we both you used to I, I used to do this Skype casting, um, and it was I remember being very lonely. Skycasting on Sunday mornings from Barcelona, um, where a lot of the time, most of the most of the Sundays, it I would spend an hour or a couple of hours, basically just saying, "Hello, um, who's who's on the line?" And then someone would say, "Hello, hello, can you hear me? Can you hear me?" I said, "Yes. What's your name?" "My name's Abdul." And they were like, hello, Abdul, how are you? And then it would just, they'd, they'd lose the connection. It's like, hello, is there anywhere else there? So all these record live, re I've had all these recordings because everything was recorded and the live shows were just basically that until you you ended up coming along and joining me and that saved it completely. So a big thank you for saving that World Conversation Club effort. It it's so funny. I wanted to make a joke when you mentioned hazy memory, something about doing raves back in your younger day, but we'll, we'll save the <laughs> jokes for, leave the jokes for the professionals. Because as you were talking, I'm reminded, I think probably the thread that might have 
connected us in another way was the, the web heads in action because I had been involved oh, yes. since the early 2000s and I'll bet you would have been a guest on with Vance and all the others one night talking about the World Conversation Club. But there's one other very salient point here that I think is worth mentioning that Skype had changed the game at the time. That's the right. That suddenly they had added the feature for what we would call a conference call. But until yeah. then, it hadn't been done effectively. And you, this is digital storytelling. This is exploring and experimenting and figuring something can be done here. Yeah. You opened it up to anybody wanting to come in to talk English. So I remember you had a landing page or the, the, the show announcement page that people would yeah. see for what's, what's happening live right now. And people would click that and yeah. choose and people would come in and talk. And you're right. You had established it. And I came in just thinking... What can I yeah. help? What can I learn, and how can I participate? And wound up having <laughs> several Sunday afternoons in Tokyo of complete enjoyment, talking to you, learning from you, and also the two of us together. I think we're able to de develop a certain rapport with students. You being the more, yeah. if I may, you being the more focused, learned in language specifics, and me just being this this unpredictable character who would say about anything just to get a laugh and bringing students out that way and I remember just having a really thrilling time on those Sunday afternoons oh uh, yeah it was fun I mean uh, as I said I'm, I'm I'm very happy and very pleased that you you ended up joining because um I remember then there would there was there were some days when some Sundays when it was just you and I talking mm -hmm. and then other times we had people join um and it was interesting. I think I remember. I remember listening back to some of the recordings and hearing ice tinkling in a in a glass. <laughs> that it wasn't yours. <laughs> I think I tippled a glass of gin once or twice while things were going on. It was too early. It was early morning for me. So um, <laughs> Sunday mornings in Barcelona. So I didn't. I didn't drink anything. But um, actually, it it there is a a big part big thing that we're missing out actually it was the world conversation club was part of um efl bridges which is part of the world bridges network which of course um was how i got involved in live audio webcasting so before the skype casting right. right. there was a complicated way of doing it that um jeff from world bridges um tutored us all uh, all of us who were, who were interested in doing something live. So moving from podcasting to live internet radio, it was, it was a big leap and it was quite complicated to do it uh, proficiently until Skype started that service. So I have a big debt to Jeff and the World Bridges Network that he set up. That was a wonderful um, network of educators around the world, including a lot of web heads. Um, and including Van Stevens, who sadly passed away uh, late last year, um, innovating mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Yeah, definitely a thought, thought to Vance and his inspiration. And I appreciate also you reminding me of, of Jeff's contribution to that. And here again is a case of somebody who just had it, Jeff LeBeau, we're talking about it. He's still Jeff in LeBeau, Korea, teaching. Yeah. He had a vision early on that one can transmit live and bring in audio from different sources and mix it all together and put it out both live and then have this recorded archive, both in audio and video. And he was doing proof of concept stuff before the commercial companies were releasing packages that make it available. Now it's just so easy with all of these different web services. But the fact that this guy did it this very hard way and brought in so many amazing and interesting people and inspired so many others is really um, what a valuable contribution that is. And thank you for reminding me of both Jeff and Vance. Oh, yes. Yeah. So my, my apart from the Sundays where um, ne it never really got off the ground and then the other Sundays where it was just you, you and I chatting, there were two episodes in particular that stick in my mind be interesting to compare notes mm. one of them was when we had a very famous guest uh turn up and um i'll leave 
I'll leave it to you to reveal who that was. And then the other one, before we talk about the famous guest who turned up on the um, World Conversation Club, the other one was when we had um, a woman from Palestine and a man from Israel during one of the conflicts um, both turn up and they had a very heated but very interesting and well-argued discussion between them. Um, I'd love, I don't know if you were there for that one, but that was the other one that I thought was like a real dynamite conversation. Um, I'd love That's to true. try and find that recording actually. Well, I was staring into space because it has been completely forgotten. And what you just described is just bringing back a glimmer of a memory that I can't grasp anything <laughs> on. And I was hoping there was a recording of it. Um, well, I recently found the recording of the other one. So I have still, I went back. The, the problem is I've, I've got a lot of old disk drives. Some of them don't work. Or uh, mm -hmm. the, the, what's on there um, isn't recoverable or... Uh, there are others that are not physically present with me now. But I did find, I think it was when I was starting this radio show, I thought, I wonder if there is any old recordings of anything that might be of interest. And uh, I thought about the World Conversation Club in particular, and I went back and I did discover that one episode uh, with the famous guest that... I'd love to hear well, you talk about. Okay, but I'm just I'm just so so sorry that my memory is, is faulty on this because this what you just described is 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 kind of what it's all about. Just what can happen, just the unexpected yeah. surprise, and this being such a meaningful conversation you're describing. So please hold on to whatever memories you have. Maybe jot down some notes, and I'll continue thinking about it. And perhaps something will come sure. together that really tells. Um, I'll go back. I think I think uh, talking to you, reconnecting with you, Scott, I think I'll go back and see what else is in the archives there. I remember okay. listening to a lot of recordings that were just, as I said before, just uh, <laughs> that sort of that background noise that the Skypecast had with the, the <laughs> bloop, 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 um, noises on in the background and then occasionally someone saying, Hello, hello. Is there anyone yeah. there? Yeah, well, it was uh, there was a lot of a lot of recordings of that. That uh, I remember. Uh, we're, we're we're getting to the famous guy, but I remember you're, you're making <laughs> a smile. I remember also sometimes you talking about working in a cinema when you in your university days. Is is this an accurate memory that I have that you were an usher in a movie theater? Oh, not in a movie theater, but in a oh. concert hall. Oh, okay, okay, something like that. I remember fun stories that you had to tell back then. And again, I can conveniently blame some of my um, shortcomings in memory to all the gin I was drinking on those Sunday afternoons in Tokyo. But there was this one day in particular where suddenly we were joined by, well, I'll just put it out there right now, and it might mean something to listeners. This person's avatar name was Hammer Time. All right. I didn't remember that a bit about it, actually. That I remember that I didn't... And I'm I thinking, didn't what, see what that. The heck, then. What the heck is this guy doing here? So I sort of asked him, "Are, are you?" <laughs> so you're, you're a big MC Hammer fan. Turns out he was MC Hammer, and my recollection was that he said one of his consultants told him this was a good platform, and they wanted him to check it out and take That's his right. evangelical ministry show onto Skype. Skype casting, I think, is what they were calling it. I forget the exact yeah. term. Yeah. But somebody on his team who was a little web savvy thought this is a way you can get several people into a conversation and pay zero for it just to prove the concept. So he was impressed by what we were doing in some way, because this confirmed what he had been told by these people he's paying to advise him. We're doing something and we've actually got guests in the room who were talking to him. None of them knew you can't touch this or <laughs> hammer time because they're from other countries. Turns out he was like one of the all time most popular pop hip-hop rappers from that era and made a yeah. tremendous fortune and then he lost it and had bankruptcy all of that but 
to think that just one Sunday morning in Barcelona, afternoon in Japan, <laughs> and whatever time of the day it was in Florida where he was from, we wind up together and, and share the space was, again, one of these crazy moments on the internet. And it's a story I've been telling relate, late, retelling lately as I'm telling yeah. folks that, hey, everybody, I'm meeting Graham Stanley on Teacher Talk Radio. I'm back in the game. And there's always that hammer time story. <laughs> now, you, now it's making sense to me because I saw, I think on Twitter last year, you had posted a blog post about that experience. Well, so you actually made a story out of it, I think. Yeah. Again, my memory's a little bit fuzzy. I, yeah, yeah. my memory's telling me I, it coincided with me starting this radio show, but it might have been before. Um, but it was definitely me going through archives that um, and looking for audio, interesting audio, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And um, I came across this, and I decided to to put it on SoundCloud. So it's actually on SoundCloud. Um, there as well. Yeah. On the recording. Oh. I'll take if you're not happy about that, Scott. I'll take it off if you want. No, no. I don't how, think. How is it? I don't how think. And I'm not publicizing it, so it's. Um, it's dead. It's. Uh, it's. Um, it's. It's not easy to find, put it that way. Okay, listeners, now you have a task. Give it a listen. <laughs> Give it a like. Subscribe to Graham's SoundCloud. Let's take this kid to the next level. Yeah, it's, I don't Hammer think time. it's got my name on it either. So, okay. um, Well, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but I just wanted to preserve it somewhere yeah. rather than just keep it in the... Um, in the disk drive to disappear again. Exactly. Now, I'm not making it up. You did tweet something in the last 12 months, didn't you, about this? I think I tweeted and tagged you okay. when I did that's, that. That's it. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Okay. Do you remember when that was about? Was it within the last 22? It was in 22, <laughs> I think. Okay. Fair enough. But that's all I remember. Okay. And then... <laughs> You, I remember you kind of moving on. You're going to go into Second Life, then you also got into gaming itself, and you thought that there was much to be um, discovered in terms of using games and yeah. your teacherly practice. So I would love to hear about either of those little trips you took, Second well, Life or, or games. I think the the kind of I remember being on an exciting roller coaster ride because the internet was just coming, becoming interesting, I think. So first of all, there was blogging, then then there was podcasting. And then, uh, as you said, um, I played computer games. um, So I'd continued playing computer games. And I thought there was something in that for for language learning. And then I, I, I was doing a master's around that time in ELT and uh, learning technology. And um, I remember asking the, and that that was very interesting because the, the master's course courses were just changing from paper books that they posted to you <laughs> with CD-ROMs <laughs> to online. Uh, so that was quite a transformative time for that. But not all of the courses that I did in that master's were online at that time. It was still paper books. Uh, most of them, there's like one course I did was online. And remember, the students were able to talk to each other um, online. And I remember posting a message saying, is anyone using, does anyone know of, or is anyone using computer games with students for language learning? deadly silence there was nobody responded to it I just thought this is really interesting there's a there's something here and uh that that started exploring and around that time that's when the 3d virtual world second life um appeared i saw it in one of my sources of what was new uh in learning in in technology was wired magazine 
I remember seeing an article in Wired magazine about Second Life, and that was it. I was I was in that week and okay. started exploring it. And again, there weren't many people in education there at that time, and uh, mm -hmm. it was just really exciting trying to of of starting to get into those spaces and realizing that this was a place that nobody else had done anything with educate you know education or language yes. learning yes. Yes. and it was like well okay that you then had a kind of you were building the roads basically <laughs> towards mm -hmm. whatever destination you you would find in in these spaces and that was that was the most exciting thing and then, I, and if I may, if I may, yeah. just then you find kindred spirits in there. There are also Definitely. people working in perhaps not the same direction, but similar. And then there becomes a collaborative, synergistic synergy sort of energy. That oh yeah, and that was passing. the that was the whole thing about it, right from blogging onwards, really, because uh -huh. until then the world seemed a smaller place, and with things like blogging, it suddenly uh, that coincided with me through blogging. I met, I you know, I got involved in the webheads and mm -hmm. this community of practice, and I suddenly, suddenly was connected to people like yourself uh, in other parts of the world and with similar interests, and we were exploring these spaces, and uh, it was a feeling of of being pioneers, really. Whether that it was certainly an exciting time, and I think like after Second Life, it kind of faded away a little bit, really, as it didn't seem that there was anything that new happening after that for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. Now I think it's AI. Yeah. Artificial intelligence is the new space that this new scary space for education or for for general life anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of, one of the jobs that I've seen that I applied for and I, I backed up is because it, it required reading a 150-page deep PDF and then doing six hours of practical application to see if you can do it. But it's this yeah. idea of web, website transcription. Oh, yeah. That they have, they have people who are fairly well-educated who can read a very dense PDF for the certain standards and rubric for what they're looking at basically evaluating the effectiveness of a website and some websites are deemed dangerous to the public good or whatever. And as I looked into this company a little bit more and Googled, I discovered this term called human in the loop. Does that make, ring a bell for you? No, the, last word, the last word and I, might not be loop, but it was a very dense academic paper about how there is the need for humans in the AI cycle and process. Right. That, Artificial intelligence perhaps is not the best tool for judging the veracity or safetyness. Safetyness, there's a good word. You know what I mean, but evaluating yeah. websites yeah. where humans have something to play and then this particular company is bringing humans to do the research, gather the data and feed it into the big AI machine and Lord knows what they're doing with it. But you're right, There's AI has a, has a stranglehold on us. Yeah. For better or, for better gonna... or for worse. It's going to transform a lot of things, education being one of them, but a lot more, um, I think. Scott, I think we're going to have to wind up because we'll, I think we won't have much more time left on the show. That doesn't mean that we can't meet again and speak about other things, um, yeah. if you like, in the future. Let's leave it up to the list. Let's leave it up to the listeners. Listeners, leave a comment. If you want to hear this old tired digital storyteller trying to get back into the game or not? Graham, I would love to talk to you anytime because one, going down memory lane is great. We never even did really get to the future. Uh, we're just sort of nibbling at it with mentioning AI, but there, there's more to the future than artificial intelligence. There's also human relationships and people oh, yeah. teaming teaming together to try to use the remaining time to make things a little better, try to make a positive difference. And that's always been something I've seen in you that I've respected and valued. And now that I'm back in the game, I would hope to be able to 
if not collaborate, at least communicate with you and pick your brain from time to time and try to have conversations like this because I love it. Definitely. Okay. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking to you, Scott, and reconnecting. This has been great. Thank you very much to Scott for joining me um, on this, the first Teachers Talk Radio show that I've been doing um, in 2023. I hope to have many more guests in the future. Thank you to everybody who has been listening, and I will see you very shortly. Bye for now. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.